This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. I'm Dave Brown. It's Monday, January the 30th, 2023. Coming up in the second hour of the show, Shelley Petit will chat about the persisting issues of sidewalk clearing in New Brunswick. And Mark Aflalo previews this year's Samsung Galaxy Unpacked event. What does Samsung have in store for you? Have they reinvented the smartphone? Mark Aflalo will tell you. Let's begin the hour with the regional news update. Beginning in British Columbia, advocates are predicting this year's Metro Vancouver homeless count will be higher due to lingering impacts from the pandemic, job losses and inflation. Union Gospel Mission spokesperson Rachel Allen says the shelter cannot keep up with demand. The last count was done in 2020 prior to the pandemic and showed 3,634 people experiencing homelessness in Metro Vancouver. In a related housing story, the pandemic student housing rent freeze at the University of British Columbia is over. Officials have announced the price to live on campus will be increasing in May. The price hike will vary for different housing facilities within a range of 3.5 to 8%. That's an increase of several hundred dollars per student. UBC student Marina Abadwald thinks many students will be looking elsewhere for accommodation in the coming months. Over to the prairies, Alberta's health delivery delivery agency has renewed an agreement with Alberta Native Friendship Centers Association. Alberta Health Services says the new three-year deal is intended to improve access to health care and health outcomes for Indigenous people. AHS and Friendship Centers worked together to deliver vaccines during the pandemic. They've also worked together during climate emergencies like flooding and wildfires. Over to Ontario. Former Ontario Lieutenant Governor David Onley will be laid to rest later today. The funeral will be held at Ontario's York Minster Park Baptist Church at 11 a.m. with limited seating available to the public on a first-come, first-served basis. The service will also be live-streamed on the province's YouTube channel. And finally, in Atlantic Canada, there are a couple of issues brewing in terms of labor at universities. Memorial University in Newfoundland is anticipating a strike by the union representing more than 800 faculty members in a statement issued shortly after midnight. The university's administration says the deadline the Memorial University of Newfoundland Faculty Association set for reaching an agreement with the school has passed. The union said Sunday the university's administration has barely budged on key issues after more than a year of bargaining. And many classes at Cape Breton University have been suspended because of a labor dispute. Some faculty members at the university in Sydney walked off the job Friday, saying the union's relationship with the university's administration has been strained by a long list of grievances. The university's latest wage proposal offers an increase of 8% over the next three years, and the administration says the union is seeking a 14% raise over the next two years. The faculty association represents librarians, lab instructors, writing center advisors, archivists, research chairs, and nursing practice educators. That's your look at the regional news. Let's bring in Brock Richardson for a sports chat.
Okay, Brock, you were a busy boy all weekend long, starting Friday with a Parasport update. You've been following all along with the wheelchair basketball events in the GTA. Well, you showed your face in person. So what happened at this uh, series of games between Canada and Japan? I did show my face, and it was a uh, wonderful experience. I will tell you that Canada uh, won all six of its games, and um, most of them, Dave, were pretty dominant in uh, dominant fashion. There were a couple of games that were within three uh, baskets, but Canada was able to uh, pull it out. And really, Dave, I think what I was enamored by watching it live, and, and you can see this, you know, uh, on when it's live streamed, of course, but it's different in, in person. Um, you're only allowed two pushes of your wheels, and then you either have to bounce the ball, uh, much similar to uh, conventional basketball where you would have to take a, take two steps and then bounce the ball. Having said that, the uh, upper body control of these athletes to be able to bounce the ball, use the two pushes, and then use their body if they're unable to bounce the ball because they are defended well, use their body to shimmy themselves into a better position for a shot. This was something that I was quite amazed with, um, just the, the control and the, the the skill you have to have to be able to use your core in such a way to be able to do that. And beyond the event going on in the Toronto neck of the woods in terms of wheelchair basketball, the Paranordic Championships, World Championships continued in Sweden and uh, more hardware for Canada. Yes, we have uh, one bronze, two silver and three gold over the weekend i do want to highlight uh someone by the name of christina picton who we've had on the neutral zone in the past as a para ice hockey player for the women's national program she wins her first medal at a world championships in a different sport and uh you know i think this is amazing when you think of a story like this you know switching sports is not easy to do uh let alone win a win a medal so uh good on uh, christina picton for picking up a medal at world championships and uh the total now reads uh five bronze six silver and seven gold wow. at the world the world championships so this is a good thing yeah dominant effort by canada's athletes over there at the uh, the pair the para nordic games also should mention uh, there was a huge goalball tournament national goalball tournament that took place in montreal over the weekend my facebook was all lit up with athletes uh, traveling into montreal and traveling home yesterday i'm talking to uh, one of the top goalball players in the country peter parsons on the phone later today maybe i can uh, share some more details with you guys tomorrow but brock the other major event that went on on the weekend. No, it wasn't World Wrestling Entertainment's Royal Rumble, although it was excellent on Saturday night. Mm -hmm. It's the NFL Conference Championships that took place yesterday in the afternoon into the evening. Brock, let's not waste too much too much oxygen about the Philadelphia Eagles absolutely decimating the San Francisco 49ers 31-7 in the appetizer yesterday. Kind of tough to offer any analysis of a game where San Francisco was down to their fourth string quarterback, who then got concussed, so they had to bring back their third-string quarterback who couldn't throw because he had nerve damage in his arm because football is super, super safe. Yes, yes. Let's preach that safe uh, football. football. Very safe uh, um, <laughs> Yeah, there isn't much to report. I mean, truly, I think Philadelphia was going to win this game um, as they did, regardless of the injuries. They're just the better team, and that's what you saw yesterday. And uh, they took they took advantage of a team who had a, a few injuries for sure.
No, that that should uh, that that it almost sounds like we're being a little too flippant here. Philadelphia beat the brakes off the San Fran 49ers. They beat the brakes off them because that offensive line was dominant and that defensive line was dominant. Uh, good luck to the to the Kansas City Chiefs who are going to be meeting them in the Super Bowl in two weeks because this seems like a different breed of human on these two lines <laughs> for the Philadelphia Eagles. But let's get to the second game, which was actually the compelling game of the two with the Kansas City Chiefs beating the Cincinnati Bengals on a last-second field goal uh, with just a couple seconds left on the clock. Brock, this was a back-and-forth game. It felt like Cincinnati never quite got the engines all the way firing, though. No, it it seemed like, and everything they were chatting about last night, and I agree with them, is that, you know, red zone was going to make the difference here, and, and, and it seemed to be what made the difference. Um, I think a lot of the discussion was, you know, what will Patrick Mahomes be? And I think Patrick Mahomes answered those questions. I think there was times where you looked at, his ankle and you went e that must not have felt oh yeah but, he was limping uh, he was limping around pretty good but i mean this is and again if this was an injury that happened early in the season we're we're not having this conversation but patrick mahomes is a competitor and uh that's just what you saw i agree i think that the Bengals really had some some tough time getting things going I thought they were going to get it going sort of when they tied it up. I was kind of hoping um, to see the new overtime rules in the playoffs, but uh, alas, uh, Kansas City does what Kansas City does and wins late in a in a football game. I just think that this is a good team uh, that, that they ran up against, and uh, Kansas City really has you know something to prove uh, against uh, Cincinnati when they said, Hey, look, you might have got past us this year, uh, but you didn't, uh, or last year, but you, you're not going to get past us this year. And credit to the Cincinnati Bengals, Dave, for you know making adjustments at the halftime break. They yeah. are leading the league in in halftime adjustments, and they did it again. Um, you know, you gotta you gotta think of that as you know your offensive coordinators really got to be skilled in in knowing how to how to manage it. They they led the league and come from behind uh, victories and and you know it was it was all it was all good for them i know it stings i saw a similar picture uh on social media this morning of joe burrow uh standing with the um you know confetti spilling and all that i've seen that picture with uh, stefan diggs uh, from the Buffalo Bills and it just happens Kansas City is a really good team even though they're not necessarily at their full capacity but as we you know inch closer to this and we'll, we'll dissect it later in the week but i'll just say uh, kansas city you better be coming all guns a blazing for two weeks uh, from from yesterday um because this is this is a good team in philadelphia but yeah a good game for sure you, overall for... you you know kansas city is very much looking forward to giving patrick mahomes two more weeks of rest on that ankle because uh he was hardly at 100 percent yesterday he won't be at 100 percent in two weeks time but he'll definitely be in uh, better shape and listen the cincinnati Bengals can say whatever they want to about the officiating about uh late call with the roughing the passer which was questionable but they had the ball twice in the last eight minutes and did nothing with it so that's as much on cincinnati as it is on anybody else brock and also also dave can i just say very quickly the crowd made a difference in in this game the when you can't hear yourself and you're literally yelling in in you know huddles the crowd made a difference and the referee did at the end of it all come onto the field nobody heard it so i mean it's a dead play a dead play and you can talk about the officials all you want but 
at the end of the day, it was blown dead. Yep, sure was. Brock, thank you for this. No problem. That's Brock Richardson. He is at the AMI Sports Desk. Mike Ross is at the AMI Weather Desk. Thank you, Dave. We begin your AMI National Weather Report from Environment Canada in Quarterbrook, Newfoundland, where they will have snow. It'll change to rain showers later in the day. The high is plus three. The wind chill is minus 12. Charlottetown has a mix of sun and cloud with a high of minus four and a wind chill near minus 12. St. John, New Brunswick, mainly cloudy with the temperature falling to minus three this afternoon. The wind chill will be minus eight. In Quebec City, mainly cloudy with a high of minus 10. The wind chill this morning, minus 20. It'll be minus 13 this afternoon. Toronto has cloudy skies and a high of minus 1. The wind chill is minus 11 this morning, minus 4 this afternoon. Sault Ste. Marie, mainly cloudy. The temperature will be steady near minus 12. The wind chill minus 22 this morning, minus 15 this afternoon. In Brandon, Manitoba, it'll be mainly sunny today with a high of minus 19. The wind chill, however, minus 43 this morning, minus 29 this afternoon. And that comes with a frostbite warning. Same in Regina, where it'll be sunny with a high of minus 21. But the wind chill is minus 41 this morning and minus 28 this afternoon. Into Alberta, Lethbridge is mainly cloudy with clearing skies later on in the day. And a high of minus 6. The wind chill, minus 20 this morning, minus 13 this afternoon. Red Deer, Alberta, mainly cloudy with a high of minus 8. The wind chill, minus 19 this morning, minus 13 in the afternoon. Whitehorse will be cloudy with some light snow. The high is minus 5. The wind chill, minus 17 this morning, minus 8 in the afternoon. And into British Columbia. Kelowna has a mix of sun and clouds today with a high of minus 6. And Vancouver, increasing cloudiness through the day and a high of plus one. And that is your AMI National Weather Report from Environment Canada. Thank you very much, Mike. Coming up after the break, Mark Aflalo will preview this year's Galaxy Unpacked event by Samsung. This is now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. Samsung will host its Unpacked event on Wednesday, showing off some new products for you in San Francisco. Here to preview the proceedings is Mark Aflalo. Mark is one of the hosts of Double Tap, which you can find Tuesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Hey, good morning, Mark. Morning, Dave. How are you? I'm well, Mark. I always like talking about Samsung. I remember last mm -hmm. year going into this event, the anticipation was all around foldable screens and flippable screens. What's the anticipation going into this year's event? Funny enough, they're not even talking about that at all when it comes to the folding <laughs> okay. one. No, it's all about the S23, the S23 Plus, and the S23 Ultra, which if you remember from last year, and it should be very similar in terms of form factor this year, we're expecting those three models to get upgrades. And if, uh, you know, in order, we've got the S23 at 6.1 inches, we've got the S23 Plus at 6.6 inches, and the S23 Ultra at 6.8 inches, and we're expecting the Ultra to come with a 2 
100 megapixel main camera. And the big feature across the board here is apparently satellite messaging. Unlike the iPhones of the world that can connect by satellite for SOS emergencies, we're hearing that you might be able to send messages even when you've got no cellular network. Okay, all right. So now we're starting to get a little bit more into connectivity as a development mm -hmm. for these phones. Other really than battery power or maybe a little software update, is there really that much that, that could be changed up going into a new year with this new series of uh, Galaxy phones? You know, unless there's some kind of innovation that is on the horizon that we're just unaware of, there's not really much room for improvement other than adding more RAM or making faster storage, which really, at the end of the day, you're not even seeing. This isn't like the computing world where software is becoming more and more complex and it's taking advantage of the hardware that's out there. When it comes to a phone, the operating system is pretty lightweight. So, you know, a 200 megapixel camera is pretty impressive. Um, of course, we're now, you know, infringing on, on point and shoot territory if that even exists anymore but really at the end of the day it's it's going to come down to the user experience and i think that's where companies are focusing their efforts because hardware wise they've kind of plateaued yeah pe people like me and i'm holding it up to the camera right now i've got my samsung phone my samsung galaxy phone that i've been a samsung galaxy user since the day i got a smartphone i just like it i find they're easy to use it's easy to move my uh move my contacts over and move my stuff over but really like there, there's not a lot now that would get me to switch phones unless there was something revelatory but mark i don't even know what that revelatory thing would be at this point well, you think it's satellite messaging? I don't think no, it's satellite messaging. No, that, would, no, that really, wouldn't do it for me. <laughs> yeah, I'm not really climbing, climbing any mountains or, or expecting to get stuck anywhere without cell. You know what? I don't think I'd go anywhere. If there's no cell coverage, I'm not going there. I just, I just choose not to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> if, I, if I'm if i off the grid, uh, I, don't, I don't know about that. Uh, I, like to be yeah. off, I like to be off the grid uh, in safety of a cottage. But even then, there's Wi-Fi. You know, So how off the grid can you be if there's Wi-Fi? Uh, Mark, beyond the phone side, maybe this is where Samsung can start to set themselves apart. Hard a little bit. A few people in my life recently invested in the tablets, the, the new uh, Galaxy tablet, and they've reported back they like it so far. They thought the price point was good. They find the performance okay. But Galaxy is also maybe moving into the Galaxy Book laptop. That laptop, that that's some of the talk here. What what's the anticipation around this? What's the buzz around the Galaxy Book laptop? Well, you know, you talked about connectivity, and that is where the buzz is around the new Galaxy Book laptops. You know, this is one of their new flagship design laptops. It comes in two different models, a 13.5-inch, which is super compact, and a 15.6-inch, which is also compact, but also has a nice workable screen area. Mm -hmm. These are Windows machines, so they're running the latest versions of Windows 11, but they're also a two-in-one design. The, the new one we're expecting is to be called, you know, dubbed with the 360 branding, which means that the screen can fold over and you can use it as a tablet, of course, in Windows mode, but connectivity is where they're really aiming at having the latest Wi-Fi, you know, Wi-Fi 6E, so you can connect really fast, but also 5G modems that will work around the world kind of built in. So there'll be an eSIM on board, uh, supposedly, and you'll be able to activate that, activate that and use that around the world. So really breaking down the barriers in terms of getting online and staying connected, kind of the opposite of getting off the grid and using satellite <laughs> messaging. This is making sure that no matter where you are, whether it's Wi-Fi or it's 5G, you have access to that. It's funny because this is something that, you know, some of the other companies, if you think about Lenovo and other laptop manufacturers, kind of had this many, many years ago and it disappeared for a while and it came back in kind of specialized versions. But now it seems to be a focus because the cost of cellular and the cost of data is dropping a little bit. Yeah. It seems like people are more willing to do those add-on plans for tablets and laptops like this.
You see, I can see the merit for that, saying I no longer need to worry about a Wi-Fi connection or a, totally. hot, or a hotspot to get my laptop connected to the coffee shop or on the train or whatever. Like, there's something there that actually makes sense to me. I'm surprised that more laptop makers haven't tried to incorporate more 5G. But something you mentioned there, Mark, that strikes me as maybe a little bit of a peculiarity or an, or an oddity when I contemplate this. The Samsung phones using the Android operating system the Samsung tablets using the Android operating system. But here we have the laptop admittedly moving towards Windows 11, which is meant to be a little more app-based, meant to be a little bit more resembling mobile. But does it feel like maybe there's an incongruency there from a company that is so much so much invested on the Android side saying, but our laptop is still a Windows laptop? Well, here's the thing is that a laptop is designed for grunt work and work. It's not really that tablet type experience. Sure, we can use it. You can use Netflix and everything that you might want to use on a tablet on a laptop, but it's designed to get work done. And there's no arguing the fact that it's either going to be Windows or it's going to be Mac OS and mm. no one can license Mac OS. And Android, you know, they, they've, they've tried with things like, you know, the Chrome OS to get into that world, but it's just not there. there yeah. There's so much distance between a Chrome or an Android-based operating system on a computer versus windows so what's the easiest and the path of least resistance just license it for windows <laughs> just, yeah you know what cut out the middleman when you can that makes sense to exactly. me exactly uh mark in terms that that's the samsung galaxy unpacked event we look forward to the event taking place on wednesday we'll see if there's anything revolutionary that's un that's unveiled but every tuesday on double tap tv you guys do all kinds of revolutions what's coming up on the show tomorrow night we're going to be talking to humanware all about the new stellar trek Right on. Okay. That's a nice, concise pitch right there. Mark, thank you for this. My pleasure, Dave. That is Mark Aflalo, the host of Double Tap TV. You can find Double Tap TV on AMI-tv Tuesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern time. You can also find episodes on demand at ami.ca or as well as Android devices. And you can follow the Double Tap team on Twitter at Double Tap On Air at Double Tap On Air. Coming up after the break, it's roundtable time. Mike Ross is thinking about tattoos, but even more broadly, thinking about people trying new things. It's got his wheel spinning, it's got my wheel spinning too. This is Now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. Ramya Amuthan and Nizreen Abdel-Majid are standing by. Ramya is the co-host of Kelly and Ramya. Nizreen's an AMI-audio producer. Speaking of AMI-audio, Mike Ross is one of the readers on the Globe and Mail today. And Mike, you came across a story this morning that got your wheels turning. Yeah, actually, it's a story I saw a few days ago in the Globe and Mail, and it was uh, about a writer who is, uh, she, she's 65 years of age and got a tattoo recently. And the reasoning behind getting the tattoo was that she wanted to remind herself to always 
keep trying new things, that that is part of what uh, makes her feel alive and makes her feel sort of still connected to the world on a daily basis, that uh, she didn't want to get bogged down on seniors' discount days and things like that. <laughs> and uh, so she, she thought, hey, you know what? A lot of people get uh, a lot of tattoos nowadays, and uh, so she gave it a try. So it got me kind of thinking uh, sort of in, in, in two different ways and, and about two different things. Number one, would I ever get a tattoo? And if I did, what tattoo would I get? But it also got me thinking about what kind of new things I've tried over the last couple of years or do I have anything that I really want to try, something new this year that I have planned? Mm. So not necessarily a New Year's resolution type thing, but something that I haven't done before that I've thought about doing. And for whatever reason, I haven't done. And and then I, I wondered, well, what are some of the reasons why I haven't tried some of these things? So let me deal with the tattoo thing first. I am not a tattoo guy. I've never been a tattoo guy. I do not. I have no problem with people getting tattoos. Just not my thing. Number one, I just don't think I would look good with one. Um, and I think if I'm being honest, I, I think I'm a little bit afraid of uh, some of the pain involved. <laughs> um, and and also uh, being a diabetic, that, that comes with issues with, um, you know, if you if you cut, if you, with, with bleeding, with um, proper coagulation and healing of scars. So I just thought, yeah, it's probably not for me. But if I ever did, if I could, I think it would either be my wife's name or the Toronto Maple Leafs logo. Ooh. I think the, those those would be my choices. Um, so I wanted to throw that first question around the table. Uh, would you, if you don't have a tattoo, would you get a tattoo? And if you do have one and you're comfortable talking about it, what do you have? So uh, I currently have no ink. I would consider getting one, but my mother would definitely cry if I did. There would be a lot of tears shed. What are you doing to your beautiful body? But I know exactly what I would get. I would get one on each shoulder. I would get the sun on one shoulder, uh, if only to be ironic as an albino who uh, is deeply uh, afraid of the sun. It would be nice to wear the sun right on my skin. And the other side would be homage to my Irish heritage. I would get a shamrock on my other shoulder uh, to, to pay a little tribute on that side. Nazreen, what about you? Uh, I don't have any tattoos, but I always thought of, you know, just wanting one. But I think it's all talk. I think at the end of the day, I would never get one. It is against our religion, but just thinking about it, I'm like, okay, this would be cool to get on my wrist or on my foot here. Like, But I think at the end of the day, it's just talk. Yeah. Even if it was allowed in my religion, I wouldn't do it just because forever just sounds like a long time. <laughs> my, uh, my cousin got a really great one on his forearm of the view from uh, his dock at his cottage. So it's basically this beautiful oh, wow. shot looking out over the lake onto his forearm. It's like a brilliant, brilliant idea. It looks fabulous. Uh, Ramya, we've been here before. You've mentioned to me that you do have tattoos. Uh, I, I can't remember whether or not you're comfortable talking about them though. Yeah, I don't mind. I have they're all pretty visible. Not right now because I'm wearing a full sleeve, but uh, there I have ink down my left arm, starting at my shoulder, down a bit past my elbow, and I have mm, several things. I 
because I'm Sri Lankan, I put the palmera, which is our national tree, and uh, the scroll down the palmera is of all the members of my immediate family. I have some sailboats. I have a take on the Gemini sign, like the the twins, because I was born in June. Um, except they're they're two women of like opposite uh, mindsets, I guess. You know, like warrior versus meditation kind of mm, thing. Mm. Uh, yeah, I have some sailboats and just like water. It it's like. It, I think, looks, resembles a sleeve, but it wasn't intentional. I just <laughs> wanted to stick to one arm and, you know, go through the pain I already knew. And then, and then <laughs> ran out of geography, so all of a sudden it yeah, turns into right. a sleeve. <laughs> exactly. I think one exactly. of the keys, guys, is is having a good tattoo artist, too, right? Yes. Because I don't know yeah. if anybody saw the movie King of Staten Island. Uh, Pete Davidson uh, plays a character who wants to be this big, famous tattoo artist, but He's he, he while he's he does pretty good drawings when it comes to actually tattooing people, he's lousy and they look terrible. So <laughs> I think that's that may be a fear as well. Plus all the ones I've seen where people where artists have gone on and made spelling mistakes. Oh, right. Gosh. So <laughs> that that would be that would be pretty nasty if you if you were writing a message of some kind and uh, they on TikTok, uh, Mike. There's so yeah. many um, people who are like professional tattoo artists and they look at other people's work and it looks so bad. It looks like just a little kid drawing on somebody's <laughs> arm and it's stick people. Imagine paying all that money. Imagine trying to remove that tattoo. I, I'm yeah. talking about like a tree or a flower. I, I've seen a flower and it looks like it's been drawn by a little kid yeah. and it's just sad. <laughs> So, so let's, okay, let's go to the person who has experience in the chair. Ramya, do you have a tattoo artist that you deal with exclusively now, or do you, still, do you still dabble? No, 100% stick to the same guy. He is amazing. Because, you know, like you said, irony earlier, uh, Dave, and sometimes I think people are like, oh, you're blind, you're low vision, you can't even see your tattoo, so why do you get tatted? But I think it's really important that you know what you're getting, or um, I have, like, trusted, sighted people in my life, two individuals who, if they don't approve, they will say so 100%. Or the way that they describe to me uh, the the graphic makes me understand what's actually going on to my skin and and like without them and without the tattoo artist who's willing to you know make uh uh, the description available to me or make changes based on what I'm describing to him and like I it's just a trusting relationship I don't think at all ever that I would just walk into a random tattoo parlor and get tatted yeah no doesn't matter no how chance. good it looks <laughs> no yeah chance. it's not the 1970s <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but just just in terms of like how deep it is for me to you know ink myself and know what I'm getting on there is what I want mm -hmm. right. yeah absolutely what about what about trying something new that that that's new to you over the last couple of years, or if you have, uh, if you've got anything planned for the year ahead that to, that you want to try that you haven't done before, and, and and if there is something, what has stopped you from trying that in the past, and and, and why are you doing it now? I'm such a creature of habit, Mike. I'm someone who just does the things that I like, and I don't change it up a lot. I mean, something silly, like I'm going to Massey Hall for the first time this year, which now that I'm a Torontonian, there are these things that I get to do. But I don't think that that necessarily counts as going, like going to a concert venue constitutes doing something new. Back in 2018, I threw axes for the first time. That was super fun. I, I liked axe throwing. That was cool. Uh, but I, I, off the top of my head, I, I, I'm not a super adventurous person, and I don't know that I have anything on my agenda this year that constitutes being super new. What about you, Nizreen? 
I would say um, about a year ago, I got a piercing on my belly button, a belly button piercing. And I think to a lot of people, this is something small. But when I got it, it just, I it was a big risk for me. It was just a big change for me. It's just like, you know, cutting a big chunk of your hair and your, your whole life just True. changes at this point. But no, when I got it, it was it was something different and I felt so good. And I think I waited this long to get it because of I think it comes down to insecurities for me where I was so insecure for a long time so when I finally got it I'm like you know what I've overcome that uh that uh confidence like I I'm more confident now and everything like that so it is a huge change for me so it depends on how big you're willing to go Romeo what about you new things you're you're a doer you're a joiner you're for sure doing new things no, that's what I was just going to say. Like, I want to say something very uh, high adrenaline, but I do also, I'm already an adrenaline junkie. So I, I've tried skydiving and bungee jumping and whitewater rafting. And I really yes. enjoy these things. So maybe there's stuff out there that I just don't know. I don't know. You know what I mean? So I'm ex- excited for any activity that comes my way when it comes to physical. But uh, then there's other things kind of along the lines of what you said, Dave, where I've, and you, Nisreen, like I've avoided certain circumstances for a really long time, like shows, um, going into, you know, club scenes or just when in, there's crowds and noise and dark, I've av- avoid most of these simply out of fear you know and i would love probably a lot of these um opportunities for shows like burlesque or whatever but i'm like eh, what am i gonna get out of this and those are the things that i'm tackling this year uh consciously like you know taking people or just trying out things that i've in the past said no to simply because i know i'm i'm just afraid to be in these um environments Mm -hmm. cultural doings i like that mike what about you what's on your agenda yeah I, i honestly for me um Things that I've avoided in the past and, and that I want to take on this year, I think I've avoided out, uh, you know, for, for two reasons. Number one, um, it could be laziness. <laughs> Number two, um, uh, it would be fear of failure. Um, just like I, I know nothing. Okay, so so one of the things is baking, right? So I do a lot of all, pretty much all the cooking in our house, but. You know, when I've made pies in the past, I buy the pre-made pie uh, shells and I've made filling and put the filling in and then put the pie shell on top and crimp it together and throw it in the oven. And hey, look, I made a pie. Um, But I kind of got slapped on the wrist by a few people last year for saying I made a pie because they said, did you make your own crust? Oh, I said, haters, no. well, haters. You, you didn't make a pie. <laughs> you 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 assembled a pie. You did not make a pie. And 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 I said, you know what? Coming from um, you know my angle of of being a, a you know a home cook and, and really enjoying cooking, I, I I agreed. I said, you know what, you're right. I assembled a pie. It was still delicious, but I did not make it. So um, I've taken some classes in the past dealing with you know phyllo pastry or or making dough, etc. Uh, also, making pasta is uh, something else that I want to do, like mm. making it from scratch. Mm. My sister gave me a pasta making machine, so I want to do that. But my fear of failing um, is what has really stopped me for years. And you know, I've tried other things in the past. Like I was a terrible wood woodworker uh, in, in school. <laughs> like when I took wood shop, I was terrible. 
when I bought a house, you're kind of forced into doing projects. You know, yeah, you're, yeah. You know, unless you've got really deep pockets and you can pay somebody else to do everything for you. And so I got over my fear of working with tools and wood. I built a deck. Well, that deck stood for almost 10 years nice. before we ripped it out and, and redid the backyard. Once I did that, I thought I was over that fear of failure, but clearly I was not when it comes to uh, the kitchen. And uh, so baking and making pasta on my own is something that I'm looking forward to doing this year. And the other thing is music. You know how much I love music mm -hmm. right behind me over my right shoulder, my karaoke machine, my microphone. I love to sing. This year, I plan on buying a keyboard nice. and trying to teach myself to play a little bit. I don't I don't plan on taking any piano lessons or anything like that. But I'm, of course, very good friends with Jimmy Holmstrom, who's the organist for the Toronto Maple Leafs. And Jimmy, uh, every once in a while, whenever I ask him, really, he shows me, you know, a few tricks on the, the keyboard. And I've really enjoyed playing um, just throwing my earbuds in and listening to music and playing along. So that's another one where um, I'm going to uh, I'm going to jump onto that this year. Uh, Mike, I love the home project side of things. I feel you so uh, closely about the fear of failure. I had to hang a tension rod last week, which is like the easiest home project in the world, and I dreaded it for like 12 hours. I'm like, I'm going to mess this up. Mm -hmm. And every time I move my shower curtain, I'm still afraid the whole thing is going to come tumbling down. But we've made it to five days, and we're still standing, so that's a good thing. Mike. Giddy up. Thank you for this. Nazreen, thank okay. you as well. Ramya, we don't get to say goodbye to you just yet because as the co-host of Kelly and Ramya, which comes our way at 2 p.m. Eastern time on AMI-TV and AMI-audio, you have to tell us what's coming up on the show today. Okay, we got lots of sports on the show today. We're talking about the Super Bowl, who's making their way up there. Brock Richardson has the details on that. Also, the Arctic Winter Games are officially underway. Oh, yeah. We're going to learn more about, yeah, more about that with community reporter from Dawson City, UConn, Kim Hovey. Um, and last week, we talked to Danielle McLaughlin about these statutory holidays, who decides what gets decided on and why. And we're continuing that conversation because, as you can imagine, there's lots to say on religious and cultural <laughs> holidays in Canada. Darn toot. And Ramya, thank you for this. Thank you. Speaking of Kelly and Ramya, don't forget that they've got a very special contest going on right now alongside Tempur-Pedic, teaming up to celebrate the launch of Kelly and Ramya on AMI-tv. So be sure to enter for your chance to win a Tempur-Pedic Adapt Mattress, the Dream Big Contest runs until February the 8th at 11.59 p.m. Eastern Time. And to enter, all you have to do is visit ami.ca slash contest ami.ca slash kr contest to win a sweet mattress and again get those applications in by february the 8th at 11 59 p.m eastern time coming up next chelly petit will chat about the persisting issues of sidewalk clearing in new brunswick this is now with dave brown on ami tv Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI-TV. Sidewalk clearing is an ongoing issue that persists in so many parts of the country. Sometimes a cluttered sidewalk is an example of provincial policies and priorities at play. So what can be done to enforce true change? Here to share some insight is Shelley Petit. Shelley is the chair of the New Brunswick Coalition of Persons with Disabilities. Hey, Shelley, thank you for making time for us today. We're grateful. Oh, 
thank you so much to, for having me. I really appreciate it. This is such an important issue. Shelly, it's one that impacts people in so many different ways in so many places, but what is the current state of sidewalks for people in New Brunswick? <laughs> it's not good. Uh, we have one of the largest municipalities that talks about how they're proud that they only clear 61% of the sidewalks. So I've asked them if next year we could only clear 61% of the streets <laughs> and clear all sidewalks because those are the roadways for so many of us with disabilities and we need to have access. You mentioned that in this case, it's one municipality. How does that compare yeah. per se, uh, maybe in, in terms of uh, rural versus urban in the province? Um, <laughs> many of our rural communities do not have sidewalks, but they don't, a lot of them don't have distinct policies. Um, when we look at the three biggest cities in the province, um, one commits to having sidewalks cleared within 48 hours of a storm. One commits to starting within 72 hours. Oh, gosh. And one divides them. In all cases, they have priority areas, which are closer to schools and the hospital. Um, and they commit to, you know, within 24 to 72 hours of the storm to start. But we get that thick wet snow often in New Brunswick and they don't get if they're not cleaning it right away it then becomes so hard to clean bare and we can't have if you're in a wheelchair a walker uh you're blind you can't have those big thick chunks that a regular person can see and walk around it's Sh just it makes it impossible for us to get out and move around it, it's something that is all too common for people with disabilities yep. anytime there's a major storm, whether it be yep. in New Brunswick or whether it be in Ontario, Quebec, BC, take your pick. This, this is an area of significant shortcoming from municipality right. to municipality. But Shelley, what you identify there is three different municipalities in the province that all have wildly different policies. I'm assuming it's uh, St. John, Moncton, and Fredericton. So what, 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 what's, what's, like, what's the deal? Why, like, why such a strange disparity? Even saying that we're going to have it clear in 48 hours, okay, we understand maybe after a massive storm, but in terms of run-of-the-mill maintenance, like, they, there's no reason the sidewalk shouldn't be cleared, at least somewhat so, inside 24 right. hours. So Fredericton's newest policy, which they admit they have not met in the last couple of years, commits to, with smaller storms, to scraping and salting and sanding, even prior to a storm like the roads, and having them cleared within 48 hours. So that would be the best policy that we have within New Brunswick. Uh, St. John, who has so much going on, because they have narrower sidewalks in so many places, because it's such an old city. Mm. They put in a new recycling program just prior to snow starting where one household will have a green bin, a brown bin for garbage, um, and then two recycling bins that people just leave milly-willy all over the sidewalks. And now you've got these snow, these huge snow banks everywhere, and they're only clearing 61% of sidewalks. People in St. John are literally trapped inside their homes right now. It doesn't make sense. Um, I will be, I'm now sitting on the inclusionary committee in Fredericton, and this is something I'm gonna be bringing up. They have to understand that sidewalks are our roadways, but even more so, we can take it from a point of view of everyone in society. We have students that need to walk these sidewalks to get to school safely. We're trying to promote a greener economy where we want people taking public transit. Well, if they can't get to the bus stop safely, why would anyone use transit? Mm -hmm. um, and if they can't get to businesses in the community safely, 
they're going to switch to Amazon. So they're just, there's a business case to be made for keeping your sidewalks as clear as your streets, if not more so. Shelly, you identified something else there beyond just the policy around uh, bins and the bins also become a bane of my existence uh, walking around my neighborhood on garbage day. But you mentioned mm-hmm. those big snow banks that tend to pile up right yeah. on the edges of the sidewalks, oftentimes overlapping onto what are already very narrow sidewalks. That is something that really strikes me as an important priority area because even if the sidewalk itself is somewhat clean and somewhat scraped, if you can't actually cross the street or get into the bus from the bus stop because there's a three-foot snowbank there, that, again, speaks to just not thinking about snow clearing and sidewalk clearing as a holistic experience. Yeah, my personal favorite is when you are going down a long street and you get to the corner and the plow, the city plow's gone by again and blocked in the corner. Yeah. So, you know, unless they invent a new chair that can go up the hill and down the hill, you have to then turn around and go down the street. And then we've got narrow streets in New Brunswick. So most of our traffic is one direction, like one car each way, one lane each way. So it is so dangerous to go on the streets, Uh, but they're forcing people to do that. And I'm thinking of my mom who just had a stroke for Mm, Christmas. mm. She thought that'd be a great present for everyone. Um, (laughs) And she's now gonna need to use a wheelchair the rest of her life. And I'm thinking she can't live in that city. I have to move her because it's too dangerous now in the winter. That's not fair. Yeah, it's, it's not right. It's it's completely unreasonable, and it also lacks a total foresight for a population yes. that already has the need. But certainly, as the population continues to age, a right. lot of these needs are going to be have an extra focus put on them. Right. So, so Shelley, as we start thinking about maybe what solutions could be to this, not that we can solve everything, but as we no. think about solutions, what do you recommend? What do you think would be a really good policy starting point when it comes to more ideal and clear sidewalks? Well, I think they have to look at sidewalks as a road because they are our roadways, the the road for so many people. And we need to treat them with the same respect. So maybe it means that we have to bring in a little more equipment, but in the long run, let's think of how many lawsuits it's gonna save them from, from people falling and being hurt. Let's think of the productivity of people who cannot get to work because they can't get to a bus stop. They can't get to their office. Um, so there, there's there's a real business case there. And if we can have municipalities understand it, and I think, again, it's like you said, it's a lack of understanding. So, you know, maybe have a few of them try to navigate the sidewalks in a wheelchair. Have them try to navigate as a person with a visual impairment. Mm-hmm. And they might start to get how difficult it is because sometimes you just don't understand what you don't live. And I think that they think that we're just griping over nothing. And a bit of a practice at it might change a few minds. Shelly, we've only got about a minute left here on the clock, yep. but I'll tell you, this does represent a lot of bigger issues with sidewalks, um, sandwich yep. boards and patios and advertisements oh, yeah. and all of these things that, that end up mm-hmm. creating clutter. One of the things that happened when I lived in Ottawa is anytime they would do a major renovation of a street, they would build wider sidewalks to try and accommodate that. It doesn't solve the problem entirely, but what about something as simply as saying, if we're going to do a major street reno, that we're going to make wider sidewalks part of that priority? Absolutely, that should be happening. And like I said, St. John's the worst because it is a very old city and sidewalks are already so narrow. So it should be when they're doing road repairs, when we're going and changing the streets, to accommodate for bike lanes. Let's also widen the sidewalks to accommodate for 
when you add up persons with disabilities in New Brunswick and seniors, we're over 50% of the population. Oh my gosh, wow. If you're not going to make the accommodation for us, then it doesn't make sense because we no longer refer to people as able-bodied versus disabilities. They are people who are not yet a person with a disability. Everybody's going to face these issues. So let's start accommodating for it now. Waiting till it affects you is too late. Hey, Shelly, this has been a really interesting first conversation with you. You're going to become a regular columnist on the show. I look forward to hearing much more of your perspective on many, many other accessibility issues. But for now, we wish you all the best. Uh, enjoy what hopefully is not too brutal a winter day out there in New Brunswick. You too. Have a great day. Thanks. <laughs> That's Shelly Petit, the chair of the New Brunswick Coalition of Persons with Disabilities. You can find them on Twitter. I'm going to lean forward so I read this properly. At chair... NBCPD at chair NBCPD. That's all the time we have for the show today. We'll be back again tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. Eastern time. Until then, I'm Dave Brown reminding you to play safe, play fair, but don't forget to have some fun. Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Join me every couple weeks for the Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther podcast, where we learn about outdoor tech and tips. Plus, we look at news affecting the environment. AMI's Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther is available from your favorite podcast provider.